flexible, you can bend a baby. When you have a baby, you can, for a season, kind of mold it into your own image, right? You can take your baby and dress it up in uh, your college colors and think to yourself that they're rooting for your same school. You can begin to refer to your baby as my little slugger or my heartbreaker. You're already bending a story around them. You see your child with a furrowed brow and you say, I can just tell my child's going to be brilliant. He's already thinking about something right now. Your baby's not thinking. He's just trying to poop probably. Um, (laughs) But that's the beauty of a baby, right? You've got this window where you can begin to mold this child into your own image that she's going to kind of be for this season, whatever you want her to be. It's no surprise then that we end up doing that with baby Jesus. There's this scene in his life where he can't speak for himself, and so we have a tendency of speaking for him. We can begin to import things into Christmas and what his birth means. And when we do that, Christmas becomes the tamest of holidays, right? Because it can mean whatever we want it to mean. For that reason, we're going to meet with the Jesus of Christmas in a very different scene than we typically do. He's no longer a baby in Bethlehem. He's a young man in his uh, 30s in Jerusalem. He's no longer attended by shepherds and wise men, but he's in the middle of a federal death penalty trial standing before Pilate. And I'm going to warn you that the Jesus we read in John 18, there is absolutely nothing pliable or flexible about him in this passage. Jesus, in his last 24 hours that he's alive, he actually, for having a ministry of words for three years, says very little in these final hours. And so when he does speak, we kind of find ourselves in the Gospels leaning in to hear the few things that he's going to say to us. And in our passage, John 18, verse 37, he says something to Pilate while he's on trial. And one of the few things he chooses to say has everything to do about Christmas. This is what Jesus says. Look at John 18, 37, and hear God's word. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose, I was born. For this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus was born on Christmas Day for truth's sake. The whole reason he came, the whole reason he was born was to tell the truth and that truth works in the world in two directions. It's an outside truth that stands apart from us and it's an inside truth that begins to work its way inside of our hearts and demand a response from each and every one of us. We're going to look at those two directions of truth very briefly this morning, starting with outside truth, what it means that Jesus has come to tell the truth. Jesus said very plainly to Pilate, for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness of the truth. Now, if you took that word truth and you did a study of that Greek word, true, truth, 
in John's gospel, you're actually going to find a lot of references to others who also bear witness to the truth. They have come to bear witness, to testify, to speak these same truth claims. So at the very beginning of the gospel, you have John the Baptist, and we hear of him. He has borne witness to the truth. Then at the end of the gospel, we hear from a different John, the John, the writer of the gospel, speaking of himself in the third person. He who saw it has borne witness, his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth. Then we hear about the Holy Spirit, who is called the Spirit of Truth, and Jesus says of him, he will guide you in all the truth. These truth-tellers all tell the same story of Christmas. They tell us that every single person is born far from God, that we're separated from God by our sin and by our selfishness, but that God, by sending his son Jesus, will bring himself near to us. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus says, this is the purpose that I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. I have come to bear witness that though every single one of you are far from God, that I am Emmanuel, God with us, that through me, God so loved the world that he will draw those who are far from himself near to himself. That's outside truth. That's absolute truth. That is the purpose of Christmas. Jesus comes to bear witness that he has made a way that we might become near to God. As I was thinking about this truth that stands utterly apart from us and doesn't need our opinion, I was driving around this week and I saw a bumper sticker that really humored me because it said, and I imagine this was put on the car during the election season, elect Jesus as king, which at first blush, is a very sweet thing to say when you've got choices you're not comfortable with. But then on the other hand, it really cracked me up because there's a basic basic, uh, civic confusion here. The difference between a democracy and a monarchy because you don't elect kings. I promise you that Jesus is not waiting for all precincts to report, to learn whether he is going to be king of the cosmos. That's not how monarchies work, and that's not how absolute outside truth works either. At the moment of Jesus' birth, he felt so small and unassuming like we were going to be able to bend him into our image. To, To Mary and Joseph, it felt like he might be a passive son. To the religious teachers, it felt like he might grow up to be an eager student. To Caesar, it felt like he might be a compliant citizen of Rome. But Jesus tells us, tells Pilate and us that from the moment of his birth, truth was never negotiable, never fawned over opinions. It never chased the crowd. It stood and it stands. We can believe it. We can deny it. We can love it. We can hate it. We can shake our fist at it in anger. We can weep over the absolute beauty of it, it matters not. This will go on being true forever and ever and ever. Jesus says, I was born to bear witness to the truth. Stands outside of us, it stands apart from us, and it will not change. That's outside truth. But I think the most far-reaching outside truths, they quickly in our lives become inside truths. 
They don't just stay outside of us describing the world as it is. They get down inside of us and they demand a response from us. That means we're not just talking about the meaning of Christmas. What is the meaning of Christmas? What does it mean for us? What should I believe at Christmas? That is critical. But now we're talking about the movement of Christmas. Not just what do I believe, but what do I do? Jesus says to Pilate, not only for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth, that's outside truth. He goes on to say, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Did you hear that? To believe this outside truth is not just an agreement with it, it is an activity. It changes us. We become different people because we become a people who begin to listen to Jesus' voice. It changes us from the inside out. Years ago, this was a long time ago, our firstborn son, Judah, he was three years old at the time. He's sitting right here in the front row. And uh, we had a group of friends over. (laughs) That's Judah. Uh, Judah was three and a lot tamer back then. And... um, (laughs) So we had a bunch of friends over, we had dinner together, we were hanging out, having a good time, we wanted to put Judah to bed and keep hanging out, so we kind of all did the bedtime routine together, and we, you know, got his teeth brushed, we got him into PJs, then we all crowded into his room and put him in bed, and we turned the lights out, and we decided to sing for him his then favorite hymn of the time, which was Be Thou My Vision. So imagine us all in a dark room. We're kind of sitting there with Judah and we're singing the song to him and we sing the first couple of verses of Be Thou My Vision. Uh, And then we're done and we stop. And what follows is that awkward pause of silence that follows every time adults sing in a small room together. (laughs) Nobody knows what to do next. And and while it's quiet and dark, all of a sudden we hear the voice of a three-year-old begin to pick up and sing the next stanza, which I think is one of the most powerful ones. We hear Judah in the dark singing to us, Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise, thou my inheritance now and always. And all of us were sobbing in the dark. I mean, it was just such a beautiful moment. We're all just choked up and crying. And I remember thinking, I bet the reason my wife and my friends are crying is the cuteness over this whole thing, right? You've got a three-year-old who's singing and for memory this stanza of a great hymn. They're crying over the sentimentality of the whole thing. I'm choked up for entirely different reasons. You think about that line, riches I heed not nor man's empty praise. That's not really a line that I can sing honestly even on good days. In fact, It feels like riches and man's empty praise are things that I heed most in my life. That's what I want more than anything else. I love those things. I worship those things. I serve those things. It feels like I would do absolutely anything for man's empty praise. But in that moment, hearing my son sing those words to me that often create dissonance in my life because they're not true of me, it reminded me that something is changing inside of me. Very slowly, but very surely, Jesus is speaking through his word or through a friend or through preaching or through a three-year-old son singing, and my heart hears what Jesus is saying. He's speaking to my heart, 
And when I hear it, it rings true to me, and I want something different. I don't want that old life. I want something new. I want to place my hope in something else. That outside truth of God becoming man is now starting to be an inside truth of God remaking me. The outside truth that God speaks is now becoming the inside truth that my heart is listening to him. That is good news of the gospel, that Jesus speaks and that he gives us hearts that are going to listen. That alone would be worth celebrating Christmas after Christmas. He's outside truth and that he stands, he's inside truth and that he speaks and that we listen with our hearts because he's making us new. We could celebrate that alone, but John's gospel goes on to say, actually, when this truth gets inside of us, it does more than just make us good listeners. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. People of the truth gain life through the Father by truth. Jesus tells the Samaritan woman, the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. People of the truth will worship in truth. Jesus prays for his disciples, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. People of the truth will be made holy by the truth. And finally, Jesus preached to the crowds, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. People of the truth are made free. I believe the outside truth of Christmas when I agree that Jesus was born to bring us near to God, but I experience the inside truth of Christmas when I listen to Jesus's voice and Jesus makes me free. Let's pray together. Do both of these things in us, Lord. Let us get on our knees and acknowledge the outside truth that you were born to bear witness to truth, that you will bring us near to yourself. And Lord, I pray for all of us here that these truths will become inside truths, that they will become a part of us, that we will be a people who listen to your voice and that that truth and that voice will set us free. Do it today, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.